hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dango Thoughts. In this episode, I'm speaking to Jeremy Jackson. Jeremy was the star of Baywatch back in the day. Uh, he left the show for personal reasons, and since then he had a really interesting life. I met Jeremy through mutual friends and immediately was struck by how interesting the guy is and how fascinating it is how he lives his life. Uh, so I figured it would be an interesting conversation to listen to. Uh, and I think we touched on very interesting subjects. Uh, during this episode, I had some technical difficulties. Uh, bear with me. Uh, it made the camera look a little weird on me at some moments. Not that it matters that much, but if you're wondering what's going on, that's what happened. Uh, Jeremy was extremely patient during the whole process, which I'm extremely grateful for. Overall, I think that we had a really interesting conversation and we touched on interesting topics. If you have any suggestions as to how to make the show better, both production-wise or maybe how to lead the conversation better, I'm always open for suggestions. You guys can leave it in the comments below. Uh, and aside from that, just sit back, enjoy. I hope you like it. And without further ado, I give you a conversation with Jeremy Jackson. Jeremy, yeah. how you doing, brother? Excellent, man. I'm really, really excited and grateful that you uh, agreed to do this. Thanks for having me on this show, it's, man. Uh, I'm, I was actually very excited about the conversation because uh, one of the things I'm trying to do with the podcast is try and uh, interview people that I think are interesting but also have some value in the way that they live their lives. And, uh, I mean, there's, I guess we don't have that much time today, so I guess I have to kind of pick my, my battles here. <laughs> but... Uh, Let's see how much time we actually have. I think we got a solid hour. Yeah? All right. Let's do the hour. Let's start with something light. When did you, when did you get into martial arts? You know, pretty early. Um, I think when I was about six years old, my mom started taking me to karate classes. This uh, guy, Fumio Demura in Orange County, he was actually... Uh, did all the stunts for Mr. Miyagi in the original Karate Kid. So no you know how way. you always see Mr. Miyagi's, it's only a shadow? Yeah. It was this guy. No fucking way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I didn't really stick with it. I mean, I enjoyed it. You mean Karate Karate, like Kyoto Shinkai, or? Uh, was it? Uh, it was, shoot, it was, I mean, I was pretty young. Karate. You know? It was just yeah. karate. Cool. Um, and then I trained for a little while in my uh, teenage years out in like Northridge with uh, Tang Sudo was uh, uh, Chuck Norris's school. Oh, okay. Some of his black belts. Wow. Um, and that was cool. And you know, back then it was just kind of for discipline and fun. I was, I was uh, you know, all over the place hyper kid. So my mom took me there. Uh, but I got serious about it probably when I was about 30. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty late. Well, I had, I had done some Muay Thai, you know, some, kickboxing, uh, some boxing, on and off for years. So you, so you dabbled? You, you, I dabbled. You, but you didn't really like go in? Until I... And, yeah. and now, of course, you discover BJJ yeah, and yes. you were a purple belt? Everybody? Yes. Yeah. That's fucking hard, man. Purple yeah. belt is respect. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. dude. No, purple belt is respect. A lot of people yeah. don't know this, but in BJJ, it's, uh, it's really hard to advance uh, belts. It's not like right. you go, kind of like most places, you kind of go and they just, you know, year after year, they just kind of promote you yeah. according to what Parents especially pay. In jiu-jitsu, we called those martial arts taekwondo. <laughs> <laughs> I studied taekwondo. <laughs> you know, no, it's the more good. you pay, the quicker you get a belt. Yeah. How do you? Uh, what's what's the actual? I don't even know what's the actual 
like how do they test you for the purple belt? Because it's not, not, not as, I'm assuming it's not nearly as strenuous for black belt, right? So yeah. Um, well, you know, really, if you train every single day for like 10 years, you should be able to get your black belt in, in jiu-jitsu. Got it. Um, the 10-year challenge, they say. Um, but I started with uh, a guy named Marcus Vinicius de Lucia at Beverly Hills Jiu-Jitsu Club. And uh, he is a, he was a black belt in judo, which was great because I studied a lot of judo with him, which I loved. Um, and uh, he's a uh, uh, Machado lineage black belt, which is more sport jiu-jitsu, combat jiu-jitsu, not so much self-defense jiu-jitsu. So gi? With gi? Gi, with okay. gi, yeah. yeah. Um, old school, you know, uh, stick to the basics, master the basics before you get crazy kind of guy. Got it. Um, and for him, so is it closer to like the Gracie, uh, kind of, well, Gracie's, um, you know, they kind of, they really frown upon, uh, competitive sport jujitsu. Really? You know, they're not really into the whole. So how do you explain the Gracie challenge? Well, well there's like the Carlson Gracie kind of bridged off and does a lot of, uh, competitions and stuff like that. But when you're talking about, uh, you know, like, yeah, the origins of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, they, they don't really promote, like, tournaments, you know? Yeah. Um, it's more for self-defense. I didn't discipline. realize that. I never thought about it. So they yeah. don't do any no-gi uh, uh, training at all? No, they'll do, they they'll do no-gi. But, but it's not like... But how come, though? Like, don't you get way better when you compete? I agree. Yes. I mean, I love, I love competing. But um, from, from what I hear, it's kind of like... Uh, they feel that it's disrespectful because you can manipulate the rules. Um, you can stall. You can score points uh, by doing certain things. You know, like if you mount somebody, it's four points, you know. So if you were a sport jujitsu guy, you get off the mount after you get your four points, maybe knee on the belly, then go back to mount. Now you're eight points in. So they don't like that you can use the point system oh, to beat okay. their people. That makes sense. I, baby, can you close the door, please? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, in the early days, back in like the 90s and 80s, they, they did more um, jujitsu. Uh, who, who uh, let, me, let me think of his name. Uh, Hoist, Hoist Gracie. Oh, Hoist Gracie. You right. know, I think he's the one that really turned, uh, closed the door on the competitive Gracie jujitsu. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Interesting. So, how did because you know they were pretty much like a, a central player in yeah. really the development of the UFC even because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the, the basically show that there's there really are certain martial arts that are uh, superior right and in what way mm -hmm. and then that kind of led to what we now know as the UFC and like all those Ultimate Fighting Championships yeah, why, why it's so popular now but I guess so the, so I guess maybe it's just because it's not. I guess the UFC also has point system, right? It's just a way more elaborate point system for like uh, strikes versus hits mm -hmm. and like how many actually, like what is it, like execution and style, right? There's a bunch of... Yeah, the, you got like octagon control, you know. Um, What's octagon control? It, who, who's controlling the, the center of the ring? Interesting. You That's know? an actual... Yeah. But isn't that the case where like, because I used to fight a little bit back in the day, nothing professional, and this is uh, something that... Um, From what my very limited knowledge, if you're a little heavier, you control the center period, kind of, almost, 
always. Right? Yeah. That's, that wouldn't be the case in MMA, you think? Well, uh, you know, I, the way I always trained, uh, you should need to switch your style up depending on who you're fighting, you know? Right. So, um, you know, I might choose to work the outside instead of, you know, and you're right, a big guy, you want, you want to move around him, let him be in the center, yeah, you know, yeah, because yeah. if it gets a hold of you, it's... That, that's what's surprising to me because it seems yeah. like that would be... But I guess, yeah. You, you've never done, like, an MMA fight, right? Uh, no, not did like... You, did you ever want to? Well, I've done, I've done them separate, you know. I've done some smoker fights. Uh, Muay, Thai, Muay Thai smoker fights, yeah. I had a boxing match that was on pay-per-view. No fucking I beat Coolio up. I really got to want to see you that. Gotta, you got to see that. I have to see that. Man, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. So, Coolio like, I thought Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu probably well, that's already impressive. He left so a stretcher. What? He, yeah, he left in a stretcher on an oxygen mask. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta watch that fight. Yeah, boxing? It, yes. Is it pro boxing or is it? It uh, was, amateur? it was amateur. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but still, and uh, and uh, you did Muay Thai as well. Yeah. And uh, who do you train with my Muay Thai? I've trained with a lot of different people. Um, my my buddy Peter Thomas, who was uh, he trained with Jerry Petit for some time. Um, in Jeet Kune Do and stuff like that, uh, Master Chai for 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 uh, for uh, Thai boxing and um, who else? I went out to with Ken Han, Desert Striking. He's more of a Kempo guy out in Vegas. He was Frank Mir's coach. I did a couple fight camps there. Um, there was an OC kickboxing place that was really good down here, and I take Muay Thai down there. Mm. To Toby Tigerheart Greer. He was a pro guy. I trained with him for a little while. He came from um, Randy Couture, Extreme Couture training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I actually went through Randy Couture's uh, camp, like, as if I was getting ready for a pro fight. It was so awesome, dude. Hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, Kempo is also interesting, but Oh, yeah. You never, did you ever dabble in that? Or? Uh, the turning that, turning yeah, that yeah, fist yeah, yeah. over and the power that comes I, I had, I had, a, so I trained a, for like one year, I trained uh, in Hapkido, you know, not Haikido, but mm -hmm. Hapkido. Have yeah, you, you I've heard, heard of it? it, yeah. It's like uh, before, I think, it, it, I believe it came before Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. It's like one of the original ones. And the guy who was training that, he was also doing a lot of uh, Kempo. And that, w that was really interesting because it, it has like a, it's almost like the dynamic is completely different. Yeah. The way, uh, the, the whole philosophy behind uh, how you want to move uh, the ligaments, I guess, because that would be more like more focused on the actual like the the snap. But uh, yeah, so so I I actually didn't realize that you're that well rounded of a fighter. That's uh, even that much more respect. No, that's that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, because because most because a lot of people know you from from uh, Baywatch, and this is something that you because that's a world that when you left that right, you had a completely different life. I don't actually know that part of your life. Do you, is this something that? Because of the amount of fame you gained from that, was that kind of, does that fame kind of follow you till today? Like, like people are interested in your life as much, and and if so, like how did you balance that with the fact that you were well, you know, no longer in the show, but I still have this trace of followers because of it. Is yeah. this something that that you feel like painted your life in a different way? Oh, or? for sure. I okay. mean, it's that that fabric is is woven through um, whether I like it or not, or good, bad, or indifferent, you know? So it definitely has, you know, affected the all interactions and, and the type of person I'm even allowed to be, you know? That's an interesting, that's an interesting point. That, that's actually really well uh, phrased, like the person that I'm allowed to be. Because it, it really does seem that even though with, uh, with the whole idea of like, just, just be yourself, just, you know, just, it's like, it's almost like you're forced to be always the best version of yourself because 
unfortunately, even though it's technically ethically correct to just be yourself kind of thing, but the media is not that forgiving, especially not tabloid. So yeah. it seems like maybe like a little bit less of the of the spotlight because you no longer the show. Maybe it's like it's not as crazy, but still, there's yeah. got there's there's things that if you do them. They're on the permanent record of oh, yeah. who you are, basically, oh, yeah. because it's... That, that's, I never thought about it to that, like, it seems like such a small nuance, but it really does uh, make a giant difference in the way that you think about what, how you leave your house, I guess. Yeah. 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 Can, is, uh, martial arts is something you did throughout, even when you were on Yeah, the, before, yeah, before, you know, I, I started acting when I was six. Well, performance, uh, as far as entertainment goes, singing, dancing comedy skits, lip syncing, costumes, stuff like that, uh, making my own little uh, mock radio shows in, in my bedroom when I was like four years old. So you were a creator. You're always just... doing that, like obsessively, compulsively. And mm. um, and dance was really what I loved. Really? Know? Yeah. Um, what kind I, of dance did you do? Well, I, Michael Jackson was like my idol oh, dude, when I was a kid. You're getting serious here. I did ballet. Uh, actually... Truth police. Uh, you know, I don't have many, or I don't have that 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 repertoire of the regrets. You know, people talk about regrets. regrets. What regrets do you have? Ah, if I could do it over again. But uh, you know, if we honestly talked about it, when I was a little kid, I did ballet from a very young age, and my ballet teacher was from Russia. She told my mom, "Your son was born." to do ballet like please allow me to take him to Russia he needs to live there and go to school there this is what he was born for and I really loved it and I had really high arches and then my arches fell flat they were so high that they crashed and that if if I could do anything over again I, w I would love to see what my life would have been like if I had a if you gone to Russia at three years old and just been a ballet dancer it's a tough life man How I mean I understand and you, and you probably like have I know but it, it's like it's I'm not I'm, I'm, Couldn't have been I'm any tougher than what I did to myself. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm convinced that you would have been successful. The thing is that for me, like, I always have this... It's hard for me to kind of think about that in objective terms because there's, there's always like a... Some, something's got to give, right? Nothing is ever for free. So that kind of level, when you go to Russia, when it's like, and as you know, they're like, well, you know... Yeah. They're Russian, oh, yeah. so they—it's uh, you literally have no life. Yeah, that's if you want to be on that level, right? You have no life, which I guess is true of everything. Of, again, of UFC and everything else, but it seems that that by it's, it's almost like you closed in this world. Yeah, this with things like fighting, you're still interacting with like the the you know the the regular like circles of people. Ballet is like no. a completely closed world. Military. So, yep. And this is something that you would really want to yeah, see how it would be. I would have loved to. Dude, that's amazing. I, that I actually had no idea. That's uh, that's incredible. Wh how do you feel today about just in general? Do you practice any of that? Do you just go to like salsa nights or? No, lately I've been craving it though. You know, I see all these people on uh, TikTok or uh, now all of a sudden everyone's dancing, right? Like everyone's a dancer and I'm like, Man, I, I crave dance again. I might, I might start. You might see me start posting some dance videos. Oh, I, I, yeah, I guess it added a lot to your pace and fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because rhythm is everything. Right. Yeah, most people don't know this, oh. but rhythm is everything, especially so, in boxing. And the more you get into different, uh, you know, 
practices of, of martial arts, the more you realize what a dance it is. I mean, if you suck at this or that boxing, like boxing, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, really proficient with the movement and like jujitsu I am, but boxing, like this is just a dance. It's just a dance. Yeah, it is. It to is program that, that motor ability in your body to be smooth with it. And, do and do you feel that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is more, um, where do you draw the line, like the actual real line between uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and uh, wrestling? Which of course there's a giant difference, but yeah. for people who don't know, where would you draw the line? Well, uh, <sighs> wrestling, you can make people extremely uncomfortable, right? Um, and or hold them in positions for extended periods of time, which uh, really don't do anything other than create some pain and some discomfort and frustration. You know, with jujitsu, what you're doing is is nullifying completely, ending, separating ligaments and tendons, and you know what I mean. Or yeah. completely. No, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good. That's a really good demarcation line. So when I go with wrestlers, I'm like, okay, yeah, great. You're cross facing me. This is not. It's not fun, but I'll wait for my opportunity and, and show you what jujitsu is all yeah, about. Yeah, you just gotta relax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then basically pull the, the trigger. So let, let me uh, let me ask you about so because you, you went through. Today, you are not just like involved with a lot of different kind of businesses and you, uh, you're promoting things and you, you really seem to focus on things that you believe are net positive for humanity. Absolutely. And I feel like, I don't want to you know, single anyone out, but I feel like there is a trend among uh, celebrities, ex-celebrities to do that kind of stuff for the most part for self-promotion at the end of it. Mm. And for me, uh, shortly knowing you in the last year, it really seems like for you that's, that's really important. So that, that net positive influence in the world. Yeah. Do you feel that that kind of outlook is something that you've acquired because of the harder times that you went in life? Or do you feel like that, kind of, that seed was always in you? Like you felt like you always wanted kind of like the good. Yeah, the seed was definitely always, um, always in there. And, uh, you know, my mom used to take me to this orphanage um, and spend time with these kids that didn't have parents because I was really hyper and had a lot of energy, you know, ADD. And she was just looking for any outlet. She, you know, I'm going to take him here. You know, maybe these people will enjoy his, you know, endless conversation or endless energy. Um, <laughs> and uh, actually becoming famous and, and making money by being famous was uh, a tool that I saw that I could take advantage of in order to one day build an orphanage. Like that, that's why I got into acting. Dude, it's not, it's a, I was it like, sounds like a fucking Disney movie. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> no, like if I'm, I'm going to get famous, <laughs> I can make money and open an orphanage because I don't think these kids were getting the love and the, the attention that they needed. It was a stale atmosphere and I wanted to build like this really wonderful atmosphere for these people that didn't have a mom, you know, like I did. That's fucking crazy. I never That's did it, but <laughs> it's still time. There's still time. Maybe in the future. Yet. And like, I, I was raised on food stamps and, and, and housing, you know, my single mom. We oh, didn't wait, have you guys were like, very you poor. didn't come from a wealthy family? No, You're like, no. Okay. Yeah, my mom uh, was like estranged from her family because they were hyper Christian saving for the apocalypse skirts below your knees you know get home five minutes late from school and get a belt whipping and no movies no 
you know, TV kind of stuff. Very, right. very protected, sheltered life. So when she got pregnant with me when she was 19, you know, and wasn't married, it was a big, big problem. So she had to kind of go off on her own and raise me. So, uh, you know, we're doing free cheese and rice and standing in line at the church and social workers coming to make sure we were still poor and, and stuff like that. And yeah, even then I was saving nickels and pennies and, and everything or any coins I would find. And I was like giving it to the homeless guys outside of my house. So it was just always something from early, early on. That's incredible. So how'd you get from that to all of a sudden becoming the star of uh, Baywatch? Yeah, my, uh, in order to continue to get the financial aid, my mom had to attend, uh, I think, a certain number of college classes. So she went to a community college and uh, I remember the daycare there was really fun, uh, very experiential. And uh, on the bulletin board was just child actors wanted. And she ripped off the number. No, nobody in my family was in entertainment, and she didn't know anything about it. But she ripped off the number, called them. She saw me singing, dancing all the time in front of people. And um, she's like, eh, he could probably do that. And I met with that agent. And that agent actually ended up being, like, legit amazing. She had most of the kids on Full House, most of the kids on Saved by the Bell, um, like the kid from Lassie, her daughter was uh, Lonnie O'Grady, who was uh, one of the stars of the show Eight is Enough, like okay. back in the yeah, yeah. 80s, 70s. Yeah, I actually remember. So Mary O'Grady was, was her mom, and so that was my first agent. Wow. And, and then, then it was just boom, like... Oh, you just got the gig? Auditions, you know? My mom had this Oh, little... so you had like a period in which you auditioned for all kinds of things. Yeah, okay. yeah. No. How long was that before you actually got on Baywatch? It, was, it took longer than I wanted, but it was pretty quick that I started getting commercials and shit. We did like... 60 national commercials before Baywatch. Wow. Um, or 30. 30 national commercials, 30 non-national commercials. Um, Mervyn's, Frosted Mini Wheats, Mattel Color Racers, you know, uh, Mars Bar Candy, like all, all these kind of big things. Um, and I did a small, uh, a couple movies and a couple soap operas. So I was working pretty so quick. You, 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 yeah, you, you became pretty successful quick. pretty quickly. Yeah. But this is something that you already had some experience with, you said, with the theater or dancing? or Just self-taught, man. Self-taught. Self-taught. I, yeah, I saw these people doing it, and I was like, I can do that. I just knew I could do it. And I kind of, you know, like I said with the whole Michael Jackson thing, I, I envisioned one day that I would have that, that I would do that. Yeah. Um, and we're talking from a small kid, you know. Yeah. And it really happened. Like, almost identical situations, which... Which is trippy, you know. I mean, well, it's kind of hard to tell because when you meet, when like when I met you, you, you have a very, um, it's a very like poppy, positive vibe, and uh, you always make sure that also the people around you feel comfortable, which is uh, it's very, it's very interesting. It's like, and I don't know if it's intentional, not intentional, maybe something of the awareness you've created, but you never know because you're already after being a star, so it's, you, that's usually easy to imagine that the whole gestalt of who you are is already like a formulated thing that you you're a showsman so so, yeah. so you're a showman so so it's it's na it's natural to assume okay that's you know it's great it feels great but but if it, it's now starting to seem to me that that was kind of like from the beginning yes. you're just like very yeah. very positive kid and basically I, that's I, maybe that's also what worked for you in it, your favor yeah basically. i was always getting in trouble in school that's all i wanted to do was perform you know tell jokes and yeah. have a good time so you know, I tell people that, um, you know, I didn't get on TV. Uh, I didn't, I'm not the way I am 
because I was on TV. I got, got on TV because of the way The way I you are, yeah. It's like you know? NBA players are not told because they, they <laughs> because of the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought of it like that. Of course you're tall, you played basketball. Yeah. Nah. No, no, it's exactly that interesting. So when did you, when did you get into the, the more spiritual things? Is, again, was this also early on or this is something that happened to you a little later on? Um, you know, I've always known there was uh, more than, than we knew uh, going on. Uh, I used to get visited by uh, spirits. Really? Yeah, some pretty, Can you tell us pretty a little bit heavy about that? stuff, dude. Um, okay. You don't have to go like super no, deep. But, no, I yeah. mean, just from a, from a really small kid, um, kind of uh, these uh, shapes and colors. I mean, potentially, I don't know, uh, ectoplasm, you know? Like mist that would come in, you would actually see that. Oh yeah, oh Since yeah. You were a kid. Visit me often, yeah, mm. and uh, kind of swirl around. Um, I was scared, you know. I didn't know what it was or good or bad, you know. Um, sometimes my mom would, uh, when I'd be when I'd be calling her, because it was messing with me. It was like messing with me, you know. But it's kind of like, you know, it's like, you know, when when you trip out and you don't. So you were saying that you would see these objects in the room. Yeah. But yes. then the temperature would actually change. Yep. And you would feel that. Yep. Would it go colder or hotter? Colder. Colder. Yeah, it gets cold. Um, sometimes it would be spheres of color and they would go and then they would form like a face. And the, when it formed, the faces scared, scared me. The, the balls of color as a kid was, you know, was kind of cool. But then when it came through and I saw the face, it was, it was scary. Did you have a concept of maybe like you're losing your mind or anything like that? I think it was really young, you know, so I was just, I was just scared. And, um, you know, sometimes the refrigerator door would open and drawers would open and close. So some spooky stuff, shit like that. Real stuff, Got you know? It. Okay. Um, you know, and just now, you know, talking about just that, makes me kind of think, you know, it is pretty interesting that I was enamored, obsessed, enamored with Elvis, obsessed and enamored with Michael Jackson, obsessed and enamored with Knight Rider. Knight Rider was my favorite show, and then the guy's freaking my dad, you know what I mean? Like, why did I lock myself in my room and practice for hours and hours and hours different accents and dance moves. And why did, was I preparing myself for this? Um, you know, was I obsessed with it? So I manifested it, I brought it to my life, envisioning that for myself, or was there like an intuition that I needed to be prepared for that? Who really knows? All I know is I was definitely obsessed with it. And it's, you know, it's kind of, it's interesting. Um, so do you think we have the ability to maybe see deeper into the code and basically really bring like those intuitions? Do you think there's a chance that those are some deep-seated, uh, like deep things in our program that connects us deeper to the fabric of whatever in fact is going on? Very, very potentially, very much so. Um, I, I guess, I guess you know, from your experience, it's really important for me to see. I never even thought about it like that, you know, just it's the fact that we talked about the fame and then like my experience with spirits or whatever and, and you know, that kind of other world uh, in tune with the other world mixed with, you know, performance stuff made me wonder, Hey, I wonder, you know, like even as a small child that I, I knew that I would need to have this. So like the part of you kind of knew that that's what you must. Yeah. Do. Or did I manifest that reality for myself 
because I was enamored with it. I right. don't know. I'm always really interested in, 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 in that from the point of view of bridging because you have the two camps, right? You have the completely scientific camp which says, come on. And then you have the other side that says, what do you mean, come on? That's everything there is, right? I do believe that there's like a middle ground to have a conversation where you, I, I believe there's a place to stand from which you can speak to both sides, like kind of bridge the gap. Yeah. And so I'm really interested in that. So like from that point of view, I'm trying to see if there's like from your, like I'm trying to extrapolate from your experience because people talk about it all the time, especially in, in you know, in Southern California. Yeah. People are very open to like that idea of the secret and all that stuff. Yeah. But as you can understand, it's not everybody's cup of tea and it's not everybody, they don't necessarily kind of like, you know, like, uh, you know, because not everybody's life has, hold on. It's almost like the survivor's bias, right? It's not, not everybody's life have, has magic. Not everybody's life unfolds in a way that they can look back and say, hey, you know, I, I practiced the moves and I became a star, right? Yeah. Those are rare and far in between. Right? Yeah. But I do believe, I do, me personally, I do believe that there are, there's a mechanism by which you can kind of either know or write the, the, the narrative of your code that will unfold in the world in a way that will allow for those possibilities to be more available maybe. Mm -hmm. It's almost like uh, the way that I see it, it's almost like um, you, you know that, that, that very overused term, you are the world? Mm -hmm. So like the way that I've had an experience was in which I could kind of see that just realistically, like the, the way you move your hand, right? So like if you really think about how you're doing this, you have no idea, right? It's a complete mystery. Like, you're like, well, I don't know. I wanted to be here. We're like, cool, but how are you doing that, right? It's right. like you have no idea. So like, but there's, but there's something here that is a, a direct access and control, like a direct will into action, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a very direct thing. But if you think about it, this is a machine that your genes, our genes built mm -hmm. to have that access immediately, right? So in the same vein, it just, if you want to go to the store, it's just like moving your arm only a little further because now you have this concept of the store, you know it's there, you have the will, you have the energy, and if you keep at it, in your, if you keep the object in your mind, I want a bread or whatever, like you have a thing, right? And then you just wait long enough your body gets up, it does the thing, you go to the store, you get the thing, you come back, there's food in your fridge. Right. You manifest, right? <laughs> yeah. But people are like, wow, that's not manifesting, I just went to the store. Yeah, but you're missing the point. This is one level, that's another level. Elon Musk going to Mars, there's just a way longer extending your arm. Keep the concept long enough in right. your head, keep the intention, keep the actual things going around it. It just, it's going to take longer and more effort and more things to figure out because the store is not there yet, right? But keep at it long enough, 0% mm -hmm. that you're not going to be there on that place, right? Mm -hmm. As mm -hmm. long as the laws of physics allow for it. So in the same vein, I do feel that there are certain mechanisms that we just culturally made into a taboo, but I do think they're real. Oh, yeah. And I'm trying to find, like, I'm trying to, when I hear those stories. They're suppressed information. Yes. Sure. And, and when I hear that, like, from people that I do rely on their word to be accurate because they are committed to truth, I do, I do, oh, I always try to extrapolate, like, what would be the truth, like, what would be the mechanisms there that we, people can actually take and think? And the only thing I so far came up with that is really actionable is, is that what those examples I just gave you. Like, realistically, listen, keep the will, keep the energy, keep the object in your mind and in your heart, so to speak, 
there's no way that somewhere down the line it's not going to become more available because everything in your being, just like you don't know how you're doing this, yeah. you don't know how, but the world be conspires to become that mm -hmm. thing that you kind of hold in your mind. Does that make yeah, sense to you? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and back then, uh, you know, nothing could touch, nothing could stop where I was going, you know? So you felt like it was just a beelining towards the ground. It was ridiculous. But you didn't know it was that. Didn't right? know it was that, no. Okay, didn't, didn't so did you have like any inkling of, of a feeling of what it what it what it's like I uh, like you felt it's gonna be like a big show a big something yeah, or a, no I, I mean I felt before I had it you know I felt that I would have it um, and uh, I knew that I would love it and in my mind it came slower than it should have you know what I mean like I knew it was it, I saw my you know Michael Jackson get off the airplane and thousands of people waiting for him I was like I want that I'm gonna do that you know and uh, <clears throat> it happened you know I, the exact scenarios where I got off there they were finally there you know hu human tunnel they had to build a human tunnel for me with security guards going like this from the car to the entrance of the studio so that I could safely get in the studio without getting my hair cut so off and shoes so ripped off man. it was crazy people now, passing out you know the the power to have people it was a trash can the, the, the power was a, wait, what just happened <laughs> we have a George. Name, George. George. We have a George uh, ghost at home called nice. George. His nice. name is George. He yeah. takes care of the oven mostly, but no. he's a good ghost. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, it was uh, it was in it was obviously in the hands of something greater than myself. I think um, because you know, it's just the way everything happened. It must be such a surreal feeling to have that, what you just described with the tunnel, because I think back then, more than now, because now a lot of people kind of know what it's like to be in front of the camera in front of some amount of people paying attention to you, mm. or at least they think that they pay attention mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. But back then, Different. just the concept of being someone that unique was so foreign to everybody yeah. that I feel like the fame back then meant something completely different than it is now. You're there's so right. very little superstars remaining today. You're maybe so Adele. Right. Yeah. Like maybe, there's not a lot of people today that can't go to the store. People don't give that much shits anymore. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But back then, that was like, you know, people were like fainting, that whole, like, right. that was real. Yeah, you had to have, uh, you had to have something special, you know? Um, and, you know, the industry has has changed a lot completely right? and but you know that that surreal moment of walking you know the tunnel and you know the fans and all that um it's neat but uh you know human condition you know so I'll, I'll, it's like okay what's next N now it's need more so, you know so need when, more, why need did you more. leave the show by the way i have no idea so uh i left the show when i was about 18 I had started partying with crystal meth. And as one does. Yeah, as one. <laughs> at, least try, at least try it if you never have. Uh, and Listen up, kid. I, I, had been up, <laughs> I had been up, I think, for three to five days. And, uh, and I showed up to work. And I just, I couldn't, dude, I couldn't cut it. You know, I couldn't cut it. I you couldn't, couldn't just do it more. I couldn't remember my lines. Oh, my God. Um, I probably should have just done some just more. Just done more, some more. Yeah. Um, but I was not so experienced and, uh, you know, they were, they took me aside and was, are you okay? You know, like, dude, are you, are you stoned? 
and when you're up for five days on crystal yeah, meth yeah, and yeah. David Hasselhoff asks you if you're stoned, you're like, can you imagine if you knew the truth? Like, no, I'm not stoned, dude. I've been smoking crystal meth for five days. But you told him. No, no. <laughs> like, holy like, shit, had the fucking balls. Like, maybe if he said, did you do coke? You know, you, yeah, could, yeah. You, could, some, yeah. you could go, no, it was meth. But from weed to meth is a really big jump. Yeah. So, you know, rather than get honest, I just, you know, said, screw you guys. I'm over this anyway. Because there was a lot of shit going on in the show, too. There was a lot of... You know, the show was a certain way early on, and there were some good storylines. There was a lot of father-son stuff. And, you know, then I went through puberty, and I wasn't the cute kid anymore, and I was going to be a lifeguard. And the, the producers were just bringing on babes that, you know, to... to yeah, but you were still a good-looking guy that, like, was, you know, you could have become, like, that. Right. right. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could... Should, you didn't always like, grow up to be this, like, I got weird, my own like, way. oh, yeah, that's I, weird. I lost sight. I, I lost what was in my heart and what was in my head and mm. and and backed up by action that's what you you talked about it yeah, right yeah, yeah. go to the store get the bread you know i had a clear-cut vision at one time and it was disrupted and I, it got disrupted i lost that vision and um and so based on like a lot of resentment and some weird because it's like a dysfunctional family you, you see them every summer work yeah. with, you know and you get to know people's quirks and character defects and so you start making judgments and everything so rather than rather than just admit to it or get help i was like screw you i don't need this anymore people are calling me for movies people are calling me for all kinds of stuff i got so it felt like you know what two I, I don't need you guys yeah. yeah you know I'm, I'm over this yeah uh so that i i literally walked off the set mid-episode and with my finger in the air and was like, yeah, you pulled a dick move, basically. Yeah, pulled a dick move. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I got to say, like, I, I actually uh, had, haphazardly, I tried uh, crystal meth. Um, I, I, th I was a burning man, and I, it was just like the end of, like, the second day, I was really run down, and I was like, I, you know, I was like, all right, let's just look for some coke or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, somebody's like, oh, yeah, I know somebody. It was like, cool. So we went to a stand, and I was like, oh, okay, there you go. I do a line. Yeah. And luckily for me, I only did half of the line because you never know what. And then I was like, we walk out, I feel great. <laughs> walk around. And so, so that was snorting, right? Yeah, I didn't smoke right. it though. And then I was like, that's really good coke. <laughs> I was like, that's really fucking good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah. try such good coke. And then uh, I kept on walking. And the energy just wouldn't, because, you know, oh, coke yeah. is every, oh, like, yeah. 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Big I was like, difference. dude, that's, what, what the difference. fuck's going on? And then it started clicking. I was like, wait a second. And then I asked, and it was like, anyways, we found out it was actually crystal meth. I was awake for, like, not three days, but a good day and a half. Yeah. Easy, yeah. easy. Yeah. Like, not, not even, like, I didn't need any more. After already being tired, extra day It's and crazy. Half. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't understand. But also, it's, it's almost like, you know, if they could just develop this without all the side effects after... Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Without the actual disruption of the system. I right? know. I tried. I spent a lot of time. Yeah, I was getting IVs. <laughs> I'd be in the party. Everyone's. I got somebody coming to bring me an IV. You know, so I because you can't hydrate. You, you, it just. It's, oh my it god. Just, it pushes water out of you. There's no much. No matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. No matter how much minerals you drink, I'd get IVs. So you would go that far. You oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's crazy. That is insane. You can't man. hack that one. It feels like that's the one thing. You know, in Judaism, there's this thing called, um, uh, there's a term, I'm actually, forget, I'm spacing on it right now, but basically it's, oh, Shvirat Kelim, which is, basically means uh, the breaking of the tools in the loose translation. Mm. And it's from the Torah, right? So it's from the Old Testament. And uh, the idea is that you're the tool of God and that 
when you do things like that, you disrupt the tool. Mm. And our job is basically to what's called tikkun olam, which is the correction of the world through the tools, which is the correction of the self through the tool, which is like, it's, very, it's a very yeah. symbolic, sure. very deep thing, sure. right? And then when you do so stuff like that, you essentially disrupt the system in a way that was not meant to be disrupted. Yeah. And your perception of what is intended for you, through you, is cut. Shifted. And then, and then it's, yeah. it's, it's, and by the way, that kind of goes into the, the concept of good and evil where mm. like the deeper, the deeper understanding of what good and evil are, because evil is like a necessary thing and it's not what most people think it is, but essentially it's this, in a nutshell, evil is like those very short lived circuit yeah. uh, that only tends to whatever is in front and doesn't have those long arcs yeah. of construction. But yeah. it's necessary because without the small bricks, you can't build a building. Right. So it's still, you need like this, you need this cycle of the short and the long that sure. unfolds to kind of build and keep also things alive yeah. and not just kind of keep it tight. Yeah. But I feel like when you do that, like all the uppers, they have this short tendency. They are very like, me, 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 very, very, like, no, 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 whatever it is, very hedonistic, like, yeah. which can be great fun, but it's just that you lose the long arcs you completely, do. Yeah. so there's no more of that seeing, there's no more, like, that knowing of, like, what's intended mm -hmm. for you, kind of, for and, you. Yeah, and being in that fight-or-flight survival mode, you know, that, that focusing on just the brick in front of you, it, what you need next every moment, it will, over time, shrinks your frontal lobe, you know, it takes you out of creativity, it takes you out of humanity and, and connection, you know what I mean? So it can actually do real damage to how you connect to other people and stuff like that because it puts you right in that so what was, reptilian what was, brain, really. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. Um, what is, so what would you consider to be, because there had to be like a rebound of some sort, right? Because you are here now and you're not doing any of that. Yeah. So what, was, what would you consider to be your lowest point that made you kind of like, okay, this has to stop. You know, I've had a, I had a lot of low points, man. Um, and uh, none of the low points really matter unless uh, these moments of clarity or what have you, uh, unless they're backed up by action, you know. Um, but, you know, being arrested, I was, I was 20 years old and, uh, you know, I was arrested for manufacturing methamphetamine. Oh, and I so was you working. win. Yeah, seven to potentially 35 years Holy max shit. in prison, you know, at 20. And, uh, you know, going from the, I should be in a Lamborghini with a supermodel girlfriend doing movies, but instead I'm manufacturing, crystallizing, purifying <laughs> crystal meth so I can just get the best high possible. This is pretty bad, you know? Damn. Yeah. Wow. So, okay, <laughs> I, would, I would call that a low point. Yeah. So, how did, so you just... Uh, how did you get out of that? I mean, you, you spent some time in It inside. took a lot. Yeah, yeah. I had to go to jail for a while. And, um, you know, I, I got out of trouble. It was very expensive. I had a very close call. Had to go to rehab for a long time, six months. And then after rehab, I went to jail for three months. So nine months of not being able to do anything, you know, um, or be, put myself in harm's way or jeopardy. That helped, you know and uh just getting back to life after that surfing hanging out with friends doing doing cool stuff you know then eventually and, and then, got and, back then in. and then i'm assuming that from there you kind of started going through the process that kind of brought you more to who you are today which is more towards the holistic side well the you know or there was like a lot of more bumps to that. It was a, yeah a lot of more bumps a lot of more bumps so 
Yeah. <laughs> the bumps are always there. After losing, I would say, just to encapsulate it, after losing my kind of confidence and, uh, you know, licking my wounds from the fame, the height of the fame being gone, but enough fame that everybody recognizes me, but I'm just fresh out of jail and rehab. And, you and know, everybody knows that too? Uh, pretty much, you know. Or was that not publicized that much? Uh, not too much, no, not too much. But, uh, you know, I had beaten myself up a good good bit, so I didn't look fantastic. Mm. And, uh, you know, I chewed up a lot of the money getting out of trouble and, and all this kind of stuff. So uh, after my confidence started coming back, I actually uh, just decided to promote a nightclub with a friend of mine. It was like a really random idea that we would start this nightclub. And the idea of the nightclub ended up becoming a party for the fashion brand Von Dutch. And uh, we just gave away hats, you know, gave, we got free hats. I talked to Christian Odege, who was the designer at the time, and he gave me hats, and it happened to be at Dennis Rodman's nightclub. So that, like, created this whole big boom. So for from 23 or so to uh, late 20s, I was traveling the world producing fashion shows. Good six-year run in the fashion industry, you know. So it's kind of interesting when I look back at it, you know, like just back at my life. So, you know, I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be uh, an, a recording artist. I, I wanted to be a showman. I wanted that power. You know, I wanted that influence. Uh, I wanted to, to affect a massive crowd. Got it, you know, lost my way a little bit. And then, uh, you know, I decided I, I wanted to, uh, you know, start a new business and, and be big in the nightlife industry. I thought that'd be great because all these people know me, so it's real easy for me to talk to people, or I could pack a place, you know, use this tool. So that became a, a worldwide tour. I, I produced 200 fashion shows. In 200, wait. Two, over 200. We're talking like... Over 200 fashion shows. Are we talking about like catwalks and shit? Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. Uh, I had... Uh, I had uh, Nicole Ritchie and Paris Hilton in my show. I worked with Britney Spears tour designers. Um, we had like artists like Young Jock and Birdman and, and Chingy and uh, The Brat. I had Nick Cannon DJ for me. Like we did some really, really cool stuff. Um, we did the, the finale party in, in London at Cristal Nightclub for Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. Uh, we went to it's Qatar, the stuff, W man. Hotel in Qatar. It had people dancing and drinking when they're not even, it's not even legal out there. It's, it's some really cool stuff. And so I, somewhere in there towards the end of it, you know, we went from Von Dutch to the Ed Hardy brand, um, to the Christian Odege brand, had a lot of fun, Project Magic Vegas, all that kind of stuff. And then somewhere in there, I decided that I wanted to be like the next Stallone. And that I had to take the success and this confidence that I've built back. Now I'm a businessman. I don't need the entertainment industry. They need me. And so I decided to really get, that's when I really started to get into nutrition, you know, diet, you know, biohacking, um, and, uh, and, you know, bodybuilding and, and jujitsu. Uh, so I really don't like to run, you know, and do cardio. So I just thought I'll do martial arts as my cardio. And then I can do my strength training and power lifting and all that kind that, of that's stuff. A, that's a great uh, compromise. Yeah. yeah. And a good way to stay, you know, functional. Yeah. Very uh, functional. 
so that was like a, a whole chapter I ended up getting like on the cover of bodybuilding magazines and you know winning all these jiu-jitsu tournaments and, and stuff like that that's that's how I got my purple so you've competed belt. competed yeah the, okay. I, I actually got my blue belt before I should have uh, because I, I won all the biggest tournaments you know I beat everybody at white belt and people were starting to think that I was far more advanced than I was and they were calling me a sandbagger like oh that kid should be a blue belt but I actually hadn't been in jiu-jitsu long enough to normally get it you know um, but I got my blue belt and that's how I got my purple belt also was you go to competitions in Brazil and that whole thing no but you know the, the Pan Ams which is I beat guys that flew in from Brazil you know to beat me yeah yeah yeah. gosh that's a that's such an experience man when you're just that like, is that is really impressive guys got tape on cauliflower ear patches of sponsors and he's speaking in Portuguese you're like oh no this guy's <laughs> gotta know way more than me you yeah. know what I mean yeah. this is his life he's freaking probably you know and then you win you're like holy crap I guess I belong in this sport uh, same thing at Blue Belt you know I won the Pan Ams and the the Worlds which is those are the main ones you know this, you took first places yeah that's yeah. amazing so then I that's why I got my Purple Belt that's yeah. incredible yeah so how long do you have uh, like Three years, four years? On, on the mat for real, five years. Um, but I've been doing it for a little over seven, close to eight, because I had a couple years where I was out with pretty bad knee stuff. You How know? far do you feel like you're from a black belt? Because you're not stopping, right? Ah, I love it too much, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, in, it's in my blood now. It's in my spirit now. Um, that's a, that uh, must be a moment. Be, becoming a black belt was never even my goal. You no, know? I know, but it's still, it's like, it must be like such a. You always see it, like you see, you know, the famous uh, uh, video where Joe Rogan gets his black belt and Lex Friedman. It's always like a very emotional. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's always a very emotional. There's, who who's that video um, uh, with uh, the uh, UFC fighter? Uh, that, uh, uh, the the style bender. Was it style that right after the fight somebody played? Oh, plays that the black belt one. Um, who, who? And he started that? crying. Yeah, and it wasn't course. because of the winning. It was no, because of the black belt. Of course. <laughs> like, I remember when John you know Jones Bones about, right? got his, I think he's got his purple belt in the ring, too. No, no, there was a, oh, I don't know, but that, that video is like a black, a black belt. belt. I forget who it was, though. It's a very, it, that, that to me kind of like, like, that was like, you know, that's proof positive mm -hmm. how, like, how difficult it is and how, like, yeah. a UFC fighter wins a title and he starts crying because of the black belt that right. he fucking gets, not right. because of the fucking yeah, title. It's not, it's not easy. <laughs> You know? Yeah, it's amazing. So after, so after uh, the promotional stage, mm -hmm. where you did all the fashion shows, all that stuff, yeah. which I guess you got, I guess you can say you got like a second life, right? Yeah, like yeah, absolutely, thing. absolutely. And then, and then, first of all, how many years ago was that? Um, that was uh, about 12, 14 years ago now. Yeah. Oh, with the, with the, the promotion tour, the, of the party. Yeah, yeah, 15, 15 tops. Yeah. So what what was your main, I guess, can you even draw a line, like a main thing since then, or since then also like a million thing happened? So, well, after that, um, I, I thought I was going to get back into the entertainment industry. So I was living in Orange County that whole time, but I moved back up to L.A., you know, well-funded, uh, driving nice cars and, and, and plenty of free time. I thought, you know what, I'm going to get back into acting class. Um, and I'm going to get this physique, you know, where it's just undeniable. It's crossing of the guards. You know, they need a new, you know, buff guy that's got a body of work behind him. This is be perfect. I'm thinking very businessy, you know, um, brand regenerating a brand. And, um, 
I actually just got so enamored and uh, focused and inspired by the whole fitness thing and the jujitsu thing. I just didn't even do any of the acting. I I was everywhere I went. People were like, "Are you a trainer?" You know, like, "Can you train me?" So I ended up training a bunch of celebrities and like C-suite executives, hedge fund managers, and getting uh, you know underwear model in shape for photo shoots in Australia. Just like it just changed. You know what I thought I was going to do, I didn't do so I ended up like I said on doing a cover of bodybuilding magazines and winning the jiu-jitsu jiu tournaments and um, I was loving it training like managers and agents and I was like I don't really actually want to be on camera and I'll do it you know I basically have a PhD in it you know yeah. you feel great you look great and you also know exactly what you're doing I know exactly what I'm doing yeah. it's like I can do it in my sleep um, but it's all the bullshit that comes with it you the know industry, yeah um, that I don't want to deal with. So you send me a call sheet. What is that, by the way? Why I, do you think that's part of the culture? You know, there's the, this cattiness. Like it's so in, it's like ingrained. I don't right. Know right. Like even that phone call you saw me take that phone call for Vice. You know, it's like other people need to be spoon fed for 30 minutes. What's gonna go on? Like just call me and we'll do it. You know, like I don't need to. I don't need another call. You know, and like. But do you think that maybe, and we don't have to spend too much time on it. But I, I'm, it's really weird to me because it's like it seems like such a, it's a, it's a constant thing in the industry. Yeah. Do you think it's because that you you always have to handle talent, celebrities who are really sensitive? Probably a lot of ego and pride in there. Um, also, you know, a lot of money riding on it. You know, production. Oh crew yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's a good point. You know, it's yeah, a, yeah, that's it's probably a big what deal. it is. Yeah, you don't want to fuck up something for some billionaire who will make sure you will never work in this town. Again. Right. Yeah, that's probably what it is. So, for me specifically, when I was getting back into it, I noticed so many people want it so bad. You know, you, you mean the coming back into fitness and like no, feeling? like like entertainment. They oh. want to be oh, on got TV it, got it, got it. so bad. Okay. You know, they're spending um, their last dime. They're working two jobs, waiting tables just to get that. They're driving around with a suit, a sport outfit. You know, a casual outfit just in case they yeah. get an audition. Oh, oh here's yeah. boom. I'm like, give me a break. You know, and also I think because I had it, um, people wanted to make me work. A little harder to get it back, you know. Yeah. Kiss a little, kiss a little ass. That's interesting. I would never think that would be casting thing. directors. Yeah, they. Oh, wanted, they're like, oh, you're that guy. Yeah. Right, right. And, and you want to come back? Okay. Right. Yeah. And I'm the gatekeeper now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I was supposed to like beg and plead. I was kind of aloof about it or whatever, and they thought I didn't care. I didn't want it. I don't really know, but it's too convoluted for me to, to bother with. I oh, like you feel like they dry. want to see more like, oh, please give it to me kind of thing? I don't know, but I would, like my agent would say, you know, they, they, he, they said he seemed like he didn't want it. Huh. So like even if he would get it, he wouldn't give his 100% kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. I, or or I, I really don't know. And why bother trying to figure out what the heck other no, people definitely are thinking? Not. You know? And plus, you, it feels like you're already in a place in which you kind of you know what you like, and this is something that you're really yeah, passionate about. Yeah, I got really passionate so, about that. So, so yeah, it leads me towards the, the 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 main thing I guess I wanted to ask you about. Well, not necessarily, but it's definitely one of the main things I was really interested in. That interest you have now in the, in the complete holistic picture, mm -hmm. from fitness, physical fitness. Uh, mind fitness, nootropics, yeah. uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, health, yeah. uh, nutrition, of course, sure. and uh, and of course 
the good old DMT molecule, and yeah. and you also do breath work. Breath correct? work, yeah, breath work. Uh, and this is something that you do. I actually did one of your um, um, sessions, and yeah. incredible. I cramped up like a fucking shrimp. <laughs> it was yeah, hilarious. Yeah. What is that? Is that just oxygen fucking pumping through your thing? You know, it's weird because because you said it happened before to people. It this happens. It happens. It doesn't happen to everybody, and it doesn't always happen. You can actually work through that. You know. Um, but the guy who I, I trained under, David Elliott, for, for a year straight to become certified. You know, oh, you actually certified? Oh, yeah. I didn't know yeah. this. Okay. Certified uh, private chef, breathwork meditation, certified personal trainer, raw functional trainings, a lot of that animal movement stuff we did. Um, certified drug and alcohol counselor. Uh, so which alcohol and which al uh, drugs to take? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, make a list. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a good night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> chemist. Um, so I, I ended up getting a lot of certifications post-entertainment post, uh, and stuff. But uh, the, the hands supposedly... So before, before you say it, so just yeah. explain what happened. So basically we do it through 30 minutes... Yeah, uh, and then you change pace every few minutes, yeah. right? And then like, I like with the to breath. change the pace. No, it's it was great. I'm just yeah. explaining kind of like people who like don't know what we're talking about. And then what happened to me was I literally cr clamped, like I cramped, like like a shrimp, and I couldn't move. Mm -hmm. I don't know if somebody saw uh, Kiss of the Dragon with Jet Li. Yeah, but that final scene where he puts the yeah the the, the pin that's literally how I felt. I was yeah. like, just like stuck. And I couldn't move a finger. Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel, I mean, I, I kind of freaked out. I was like, all right, well, I guess this, I don't know. That's how I go, whatever. So I was like on the, on, the on the grass. And you're just like, no, no, just breathe through it, breathe through it. So that's, that's the thing I'm asking you about. Yeah. So I mean, I, I love to see that. And David Elliott would say that uh, um, there's a blockage there, that the hands represent our ability to give and or receive love mm. fully. Um, but it was my whole body, by the way. Yeah. I, I guess it's worse with me. <laughs> well, it's, it's all kind of simple, really. You know, the feet stuff in the feet is, is grounding, you know, connection. Um, and just the hands are the heart, heart entrance and exit. Um, the face is a lot of times just the mask that we put on for society right. and presenting ourselves in a certain way and, um, and or hiding, you know, what's going on on the inside. Um, Low back can tense up, have pain um, from financial burden or, or insecurity of, uh, when it comes to finances. Uh, shoulders and neck stuff is uh, carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders or your own uh, presumed sense of responsibility. Um, holding yourself to high standard, you know, that's kind of like right, right in the back. Um, mother and father energy in the thighs. Mm. Um, and there's some deeper meditations for breath work where we actually do entity release, you know, where we would actually, we would find what, what, it, what, what is it in your body um, and where you're breathing and we're communicating and, and um, does it, where is it exactly, you know, and, and does it have a color? Does it have a texture, a shape? Is it hot or cold? Um, do you know when this came to you with past life? child you know and a lot of times most of the time people will know they just know it's like 17 six you know uh jagged you know it's in, in my hip they it's pretty easy for them to call it out and then we give that permission to to be released 
you know, through some screaming, crying, stuff like that. So she gets pretty real. Oh, she can get super It's real. interesting you're saying about the back thing, the lower back. Because uh -huh. uh, when I uh, was, um, I wasn't necessarily struggling financially, but I was essentially in a place where I knew that that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. And uh, it expressed itself in the form of uh, me just trying to do all the things, but also doing the one thing that takes all my energy that I wasn't supposed to be doing, which was the, the majority of the money that I would make. Mm -hmm. And I would make good money, but... I never had enough, so there was lack. So it's not necessarily so yeah. there, there was because I knew I'm not aligned. I'm not doing the thing. And the second I dropped all of it, one night I just woke up and literally threw everything away. Literally threw everything I owned away. Wow! And in two days, it just all was owned in the, in the Calabasas in the in the landfill. Uh. Uh, and since then, I started this crazy journey of like to change everything about my life. And I had crazy back pain, mm -hmm. and I have two herniated discs, L L three and L five, mm. and I had crazy sciatica. Mm. And it was to the extent that I was prescribed uh, morphine. Eesh. And uh, since I did that, I never had a back pain wow. one time. Yeah. People, so when I, attachment, right? Listen, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Like people hear, some people hear this and are like, oh, you're full of shit. No. Like, I'm telling you, not a day of pain. Yeah. And I always carry a bunch of equipment. Mm -hmm. Never, not a day. Yeah. It's, it's like it was complete. Like my body was like, there you go. Mm -hmm. It's like it's kind of, okay, there you go. That's Smart. what you're supposed to be. It was it was crazy. Yeah. I've, I've never experienced anything it's like that before. Thing. So it's interesting you're saying about the lower back. Absolutely. Did you ever have uh, like? Because I heard Ju I think uh, Jules told me, but um, I'm never clear on that. Like you have some experience with the molecule with DMT, mm -hmm. but and you also do this, uh, I guess, professionally. Do, do, did you ever get to a point in which you can actually through breath like get to the, like the full extent of what the molecule can do? Because I hear those accounts. Yeah. I never know if to believe them. And no. Like, no. Um, I've had some amazing experiences that are similar. Uh, I never, you know, uh, not as vivid, you know. Not as like just full on there. Not as vivid for sure. But the undeniable presence of more mm. and of, um, of just existing, you know, in between. Uh, and... Uh, ancient information, ancient wisdom, for sure I've experienced, um, past life stuff. Uh, I, I, in, in a breathwork meditation, you, you know, when you go somewhere, like you were talking about, you go somewhere weird that you don't understand. Yeah. Uh, why am I being brought here? Yeah. That actually happened to me for over two months. Every time I would breathe, I would go to this house, far different than anything I normally experience. A house on a grassy hill with a picket fence, and the temperature was the same. I didn't know the house, and I didn't understand why I was there, um, but I kept going there. And then one day, all of a sudden, it made perfect sense that the house wasn't a house. Well, the house was a house, but somehow the, the house <laughs> was actually a buddy of mine who had passed away, who oh. I never really mourned. And huh. it was his way of, of showing me he was okay. How did you figure it out? It, it just became it known. It just became mm. known. That's interesting. That yeah, that, that, that's a really, that's a term that I guess it's hard to explain to people who never tried it. It's like some things in psychedelic experience, especially in, with, uh, with the molecule and adjacent to the molecule. Yeah. So like, like you just said, it just became known. Yeah. I always say they never tell you things. They leave it on the table for you to be able to 
understand or consume. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. If, you, if you have the capability, you will. And if you don't, it's right there on the table. Yeah. But they never push anything on you, yeah. which, is, which is a very, very accurate term, which you just said. This and, is and so I, in that moment, I mourned him fully, but year worth of mourning just in, in a meditation. I was able to, f- to really honor his existence and our friendship and the deep connection we had and the person he was. And it was through some house on a hill. So you it believe, makes no sense, but it no, made, it made perfect, perfect sense. sense. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So you think it's possible that that's a real doorway? You think it's possible that... Absolutely, 100% without a doubt. To what do you think? I'm just starting to scratch the surface, really. Um, I, I think, you know, uh, beings, hev- heavenly beings, uh, uh, celestial beings, intelligent beings, you know, do you think it's part of our destiny to kind of find this place as evolution progresses? I think we were blocked off from it on purpose. Mm, that's yeah. an interesting take. I never heard yeah. of that before. Yeah. But, but like, but by whom or? Well, this spirit molecule, this endogenous chemical that we have in our body that, that you can get close to or, and or achieve through breathing right or or ingestion you know or inhalation or whatever um you know connecting you to the presence of uh of more you know being completely understood you know have you ever understand yeah have you ever been like for a completely uh, like the peace yeah yeah. they they see through you right yeah to be understood without explain like wow um you know, all these things that we grasp at, you know, that is, uh, you know, being able to manifest, achieve, uh, know, understand anything and everything, right? But do you think you said... But if everybody was just understanding, believing, and knowing everything, then then who's got a hierarchy? There's no, there's no more hierarchy. There's no more power. Right. And... That's interesting. I kind of, did I ever tell you my, my weird theory about, about oxygen? No, please. So I have this kind of a strange theory and a lot of this stuff maybe could be by accident it could be random but it just if we if you start digging it doesn't make sense that it, it could be by accident so before so if you can create an absence of carbon dioxide in your blood and hyperoxygenation through breathing and have this god experience have this uh, you mean like god uh Consciousness, like like yeah. higher being, kind of paying yeah. attention to. Yeah, um, if you can, um, you know, can, if you can release trauma, if you can feel uh, completely in the moment, you know, uh, one love, love for yourself, real for the first time, truly loving yourself um, through thirty minutes of hard, hard work that is almost scary to do. Um, then, is it possible that? couple thousand years ago before factory farming, before manufacturing, before industry, before automobiles, that we had this level of oxygen in our environment at all times and that we were all connected. We all realized we were one, like the greatest misconception of man is that there are more than one of us. Hmm. I think it's Einstein. 
I never heard of that before, but I yeah, like it. This is the, the, the greatest, it's either, either the greatest misconception of man is that there are many of us, or the greatest misconception of man is that there are more than one of us. Like if you can feel connected to everything and everyone, if you can appreciate just a plant or a tree so deeply in this DMP experience, um, then who's to say that wasn't all, that's, I feel like it's our birthright. You ever, you ever do DMT and feel like it's your birthright? Yeah, well, well, for me, and I, I, I want you to actually continue with your story because it's fascinating, but, but shortly, for me, the DMT experience is, it varies a lot, and recently it's been very, very specific, as I actually told you. Um, but it's, 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 it definitely feels like it's part of the constituents of what we are. Mm. But, I, but I never thought about it in the way that you're just describing, which is like, what if we had those oxygen levels in the air uh, back then, which actually, so that would also explain a lot how, why pressure tanks work, like ox- oxygen pressure tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, healing. Healing, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy how much difference it makes and a, a pro athlete's been doing it for decades and Repairing now people start damage. discovering it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, killing bacteria. Be, you, and this is me actually asking, I'm not <laughs> throwing a monkey wrench. It, it, we don't have a way to know oxygen levels in the air at certain times through like whatever is in the strata like whatever is in the i don't i know. don't know I'm, I'm i don't know what what i do i mean uh, like plants turn carbon dioxide into oxygen right. isn't that right mm-hmm. um and cars factories all, all this all this you know methane gas yeah so it, it lowers the, the amount there's of what's so, available yeah first. there's yeah. so much carbon di- what was putting carbon dioxide into our atmosphere before all this crap right nothing i don't think yeah so we do, uh, we our do. own exhalation right well there was a way yeah of course there was a, so you're saying that there's a possibility there's in a your possibility mind that if we had more that, of that and we could feel more connected yes yeah no it's it's very possible we, i like we, that we, idea when we're born and when we die right you know, are you familiar with Terence McKenna's uh, stoned ape theory? No. Tell me about it. So, in the short thing is that his theory kind of maps on almost perfectly on the trajectory of the development of prefrontal uh, cortex for human beings, which, as you know, developed in, in evolutionary terms in crazy time, right? So, it's like, in like a million years, our prefrontal cortex is just like, like doubled in size, right? Something that makes no sense evolutionarily. And, uh, or I think... It, I should actually look it up, but it was either a million years or maybe even in the in a very short period of like two hundred thousand years. I'm not really sure. We should look it up, but um, but the, the theory is that when people well, there were barely people back then, when uh, the first things that were about to become us started climbing off the trees, and uh, those areas became savannas, they had to adapt, and they had to uh, play with new foods. And uh, there was a, a, a lot of wild cows back then. And as you know, mushrooms grow in cow dough. Mm-hmm. So they had to experiment with different foods. And one of the things they would probably experiment with was psilocybin mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And uh, what it does is three things. In low doses, it uh, amps up your visual acuity, mm-hmm. which makes you a better hunter. Right. So natural selection will favor you. Mm-hmm. In higher doses, it makes you way more sexually active, mm. which once again... Natural selection will favor you. Right. And in the higher doses, even, even more, it expands your ability to, uh, to basically perceive higher order of organization. Right. Like much more abstract thinking, right? So yeah. like 
maybe a more complex language was actually born from just grunts back then. Right. right? Uh, and then his theory is that what happened was is that you had this like giant influence by the by the psilocybin mushroom mm -hmm. on the mind of a primate that was just like basically experiment. So threefold, it basically naturally selected those to breed way more. And of course, the the culture was way more orgiastic and much more uh, um, not so uh, monogamous uh -huh. because it's it's way less about owning. So sure. literally, it takes a village, right? So you didn't because you didn't even know whose child belongs to whom, kind of sure. thing. Sure. And uh, but then what happened was, and this is kind of like the the novelty of the theory, where where there became too many of them, and then uh, the mushrooms became Scarce. way less available. Uh -huh, right? Yeah, uh -huh. you had to preserve them, and back then there was no real way to preserve aside from maybe in honey. Sure. And what happens to honey when it ferments? It becomes mead. Mead. Beer made out of. Ah. Uh. Honey. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's yeah. the first alcohol. Oh, yeah. And when you add all the extra abilities now, yeah, alcohol with alcohol, up bad. We basically declined. The, went into history, what we now call history. The <laughs> That's basically the theory, basically, and and with, and and it amped up the the very primate thing of like the you know the, the male dominant right, like, right, and it just jacked it all the way up, and then yeah, alcohol. It's a really it's a really interesting uh, yeah. So it kind of along the along those lines where in this case it was a plant or a mushroom in this case yeah. a plant, but in your case it's you're saying maybe it's possible that there's different. Uh, levels of oxygen could have actually made a completely different kind of human because the general perception yeah the general perception was much more of a like a we kind of thing yeah it just like i guess we have to look at uh you know like actual events it seems like people were pretty pretty wild back then too <laughs> right you know another a, a interesting story about alcohol so like in 10 percent of the world's population across the globe, 10, 10 or a little less, there exists what science calls the warrior gene, okay, or the addict alcoholic gene. Mm. This is a, uh, it's, it's found in the amygdala, it's fed by a protein called Krebs, and um, when something happens that causes a cascade of dopamine, in only this basically uh, mutated brain, it's a mutation, it's it, not everybody has it, only some people have it, uh, it gets stuck on a loop. So somebody does something that feels really good, they don't have this gene, they enjoyed it, that was great, they don't continue to think about it nonstop, they don't become obsessed with it. Um, and it's a biological loop, so you can't if you have this gene, you can't, can't argue with it. it. You you, can't. Yeah, yeah, you can't. You're uh, right. It happens. Mm -hmm. We talked about the reptilian brain. You're actually catapulted into your reptilian brain, and it's only about survival. So thousands of years ago, we were really built to survive against all odds, right? And it's kind of a, it's maybe a, a theory that this is a like a procreation protective mechanism built in to civilizations built into you know you don't want this small colony out in the middle of the uh you know uh, jungle to go extinct so give at least a few of their people this gene so that in horrific circumstances actually what happens is the reason it's called the warrior gene is when this gene is activated time slows down your sense of smell is more acute 
and uh, get into more into flow. He, hearing, smelling, and and uh, you know, uh, basically like disaster prep decision making is clear cut, right? So you hear like Native Americans can't hold their they're crazy once they get a few drinks in them. So Irishmen, there's a million Irish jokes, right? We all know those. And it's because during the genocides, the ones that survived had this gene. Had this gene. Huh. It was built there to, to keep them alive. That's but really They're willing to go to any lengths to survive because they've, that switch is on and they're going to, they're going to, they, they feel their most fullness of self when they're closest to death. They become their best when they're closest to death. And doing a shot of heroin, drinking like a fish, gets you there. Extreme situations. It gets you there. Yeah. You feel like you're right on the edge. That's why alcoholics and addicts always overdo it. That's why, you know, then you end up always in jail. Chasing, yeah. like always chasing that moment. You feel your best right before you black out. You feel your best, then you puke. You feel your best, but then you OD'd, right? Yeah. So yeah. that they're chasing that. So it's all, and it's almost impossible to shut that off. The only way to shut it off is with, uh, to counteract it with, um, with serotonin. Hmm. So connection, community, feeling safe, um, you know, talking with somebody that you trust and, and believe is cut from the same cloth. Pupils dilate like a baby and its mother. Pupils get into sync, heartbeats get into sync, the entrainment happens and it settles that gene down. Uh, but it doesn't take much to, to ruffle it up. And uh, it's just interesting that you mentioned the beer because you know, that gene, if there's no alcohol, you know, or drugs is an amazing thing. And I have that gene. That's why when I did meth or Coke or, you know, any ecstasy, it, it all Is it all, always only on or off or it has degrees? Um, it wants to be on. It wants its full degree. I'm asking because I wonder if I have that gene. Because I always also, like, whenever I would do whatever it is, like, experiences, and like, I would always go, like, really really full-blown all the way in yeah. and that's why I feel the most alive but I don't know to what degree because I'm sure there are people that are way more extreme right so like well if you certain things with them I'm like super extreme and other things I'm like eh, can take it or leave it right so th is, the question is is it across the board you think or well um, I I feel like you would know if you had it like for sure because if you're able to stop then you then probably you don't. don't have it. Got it. Yeah. Be, if if you're not able to stop and you and you ha, and you're doing it even against your own will when your logical brain knows you shouldn't but you're still doing it. Well, but certain things they do. Like when I used to I used to street race. Yeah. And whenever I would go into a certain mode, I, I would do things that even people that were like with me in the thing they were like, bro. Uh, right. Like what this the fuck is are you doing? Way like that's, yeah. What, what, yeah. There's no need for this. Yeah. For sure, hundred mm -hmm. percent. Uh, fighting, uh, like street yeah. fighting, if if uh, if uh, if it's something that. Um, but other thing, I don't know. Like if I would do, I do have a mechanism by which I feel certain amount of disgust with myself the next day mm -hmm. with certain things, and then I would taper off things. Yeah. But from what you're describing, it sounds like just uh-uh. There's no like, it's full blast. No matter what, no matter who. Mm -hmm. That that doesn't sound like that. It's pretty it's bad. In, yeah. I've found that like uh, DMT mushrooms, LSD, don't activate that. They don't. Now, I, I, I still want to no, go really far. I don't it. think they activate it. 
uh, in my in my personal opinion, um, you know, if if I smoke a little crack, there's no such thing as smoking a little crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like um, yeah, it's like boop. Everything changed. I don't know why I ever thought I would only smoke a little. I only want to smoke a lot. And how can I live my life while smoking a lot? Yeah. You know, what do I need to do? Every, you know, I should take a shower because I, people are coming over to smoke crack. Every, I should eat some food because I know I'm going to be gone for a couple of days smoking crack. Every decision, and every choice that, wow. the, yeah, is about the survival of the crack experience. So why are you bringing that's that up? That's a real drug addict. Well, um, because you brought up the beer. Mm. And I think alcohol, that's, that's where it actually, alcohol really fucked up the human situation because that's like a, it's a good, it's a good thing to have for a lot of things like the best fighter pilots and race car drivers in the world have it. They just haven't been exposed to the crack and to the drugs that hijack the brain. Yeah, otherwise the they would be complete maniacs. They hijack the brain. And uh, addict mice, they breed the gene into mice. They, they put hundreds of mice in a cage and they have food, shelter, water, and booze. And the five out of the hundred or the, whatever, the ten out of the hundred that go to the booze and stay at the booze, they grab those, breed them, and then they take their offspring. And they continue to do that until 100%. They know they have, all these mice have the mice the gene. mice can have that gene too? Yes. All animals can have Yep. Okay. Uh, well, mice for sure. You, get, you call it survivor warrior? The, the warrior gene. Yeah, warrior or gene. the addict gene, alcoholic gene. Um, it's like gamblers. They, they, it's not enough until they lose. They can't stop until they lose. Because mm, it's the only obsessive. thing that can stop them. It's the only thing that gives them the dopamine rush. Mm. It's the only thing that gives them the big, oh, no, oh, my, oh it's ruined everything. You want, you want the closest to So they actually that. want that. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yep. Yep. Not the win. No, they could never win enough to, for it to be as powerful of a feeling as the loss. That is crazy. Yeah. So these that mice. crazy. Yeah, it's real. These mice are uh, the most expensive mice for research. The most expensive mice Why? and rats that you can buy. Because that gene makes them 10 times more inquisitive and curious than other mice and rats. Mm. They will traverse every centimeter of a maze to try to find whatever the smell is when the other ones will give up halfway through. They, they're, they're, they're very committed, obsessive even. Um, so they're better for research purposes. So do you think, so I'm, I'm assuming that you attribute a lot of the, it's almost like your vice is also your gift, right? So basically that gene is also the thing that pushed you to do all the great things that you did. Absolutely. But it's a double-edged sword. When your priorities in order, it can be great. You can have a, a lot of How do you commitment. get your priorities in order after you, oh, because you had to clean up, because you had to go through yeah, the system. Yeah, the meditation is amazing for it. You know, that's amazing for it. Um, fitness is amazing for it because um, then you just push into that and it's healthy for you and it's good yeah, for you yeah yeah deepening your your do education you feel, do you feel like that's what happened to the guy that end up ended up in the stretcher what <laughs> uh, sorry coolio he was kind of old man he came out hard you'll see when you watch the video i can't wait hard this is amazing yeah. so uh, so the 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 apes that the, we would have been fine if it was just mushrooms, is what I'm saying, because that doesn't activate that that dopamine rush. Yeah. It actually activates more of a serotonin experience. Most, yeah, you very know? much so. Yeah. But the booze. The booze. Yeah. That's, that, that's where, where we turn we the corner, it, yeah. man. Yeah, it's the it's the ownership uh, surplus because we learn how to farm, 
Mm-hmm. Plus the alcohol. So now you have to protect something. Mm-hmm. And it, and that literally jacks up the everything it has to do with like mine, right? And mm-hmm. alcohol brings it even more than yep. that. And then it just becomes this crazy thing all about like bigger and bigger, bigger civilization to fight over resources, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's a really good... Kombucha, uh, at least. Psilocybin and, and honey is like kombucha. kombucha and psilocybin and honey. Hard kombucha. Is that, do you have a... Do you have someone that you consider to be across the board, uh, like somebody that you aspire to be as? Because usually people that had your life experience, it's kind of hard to find somebody who you would consider that in those domains found himself to be more rounded than yourself. Do you have anybody like that or do you just... Well, I, I have, have a, like different individuals that you kind of... Yeah, take, I have a lot of mentor, mentors in my life, you know, I mean... It only makes sense if you want to achieve something to align yourself with people who have achieved it already. So I do have a, a, a good amount of people who um, are living, you know, more amplified in certain areas of their life than I am. And I stick close to those people, you know, whether it's business or, or uh, you know, spiritual uh, practices or what have you. Um, I like Jordan Peters, you know. Jordan Peterson. Yeah, Jordan yeah. Peterson. Yeah, he's amazing. very powerful. I like him a lot. Um, and... Uh, you know, Wayne Dwyer was great. I mean, the ultimate example, honestly, of like Jesus. Jesus was the example of a perfect way to live your life. Like loving everybody equally, being open and honest with everybody. Yeah. Being, you know, it's uh, a good role model. Just kind of hard. Like in this world, you would like it's a little harder to the manipulation of the Bible is is I, undeniable. I agree. You know? I agree. Yeah, no, I I, I think that there's. I think is, wait is that what one of the main things about Jordan Peterson that he also takes the like the, kind of like the Christian approach. So it's, or is it more like the, just the weight that he very clearly well, bears? Well, I, I, you know, just uh, when I saw him being attacked is when I really fell in love with him because I was... By the, the whole thing that happened in the beginning? Yeah, the, the media and all the, and, and, and all the people saying that he was like a chauvinist or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, holy crap, how can you have such an altruistic, you know, and I was like, oh... I, I'm glad, like, because no matter how hard you try or how pure your motives are, oh, you're still going to be castrated, there right? There's a lot of catharsis there. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Um, what, I, I really, it, it's, a, it's a, I mean, we can do a whole podcast about it separately, but like that's, it really does blow my mind what happens in the world now. It's like, it really, it really, really feels like people lost their minds. Mm-hmm. This whole like purification, like everything has to be super PC, super. I mean, yeah, p- people talk about this ad nauseum. This is I'm not definitely not the first one to say it, but it really does. But like I really like you know sometimes you can kind of sit and say, hey, okay, it's crazy, but the, the, those people must have some reason that I I should be able to understand. Mm-hmm. I can't right. I can't wrap my hand around what's going on right now. People yeah. are trying to be ultra like pure i guess everything has to be like completely dialed into like the exact channel that they want to hear and it can't be anything else yeah unless they decide different the next day and get, yeah and don't challenge them on it because then that's breaking the rules yeah you know um and i guess well this, first of all i again thank you so much for doing this because I'm, I'm 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 crazy grateful for you taking i know you're super busy all the nah. time and uh and um I would love to do this again, For but sure. there's one last thing I do want to ask you about because we kind of touched on that yeah. and 
actually that's the one thing that I found that we don't necessarily fully disagree, fully agree on, which is to me the most fascinating thing to explore. So, just in short, what you you kind of voiced some concern about some of the stuff, for example, around the vaccine. But mm. It doesn't have to be necessarily that. Mm -hmm. It's just in general the mistrust in whatever the most powerful mm -hmm. might have in mind mm -hmm. when they have the capability to do whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So, y can you talk a little bit about your take on that? Do you believe that there's, there are those motives that are operating on a grand scale? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I've traveled the world quite a bit. I've, I've met, um, you know, some, some pretty powerful people. I've been somewhat powerful myself you know i see greatness in others and in in my opinion the 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 mentality the fortitude and the commitment that it takes to be like a billionaire to have that much power influence control um you really actually have to have a certain set of crazy you know what i mean like a certain set of not good crazy not like fun crazy like us crazy like bad crazy you mean like a control freak kind of like really want to control everything kind of thing sadistic hmm. um you know selfish so like psychopathic yeah maniacal type um so i i really wouldn't give our best interest to anybody who's who's running the show because in order to run the show, they, they got handed a, see a, what very, you're a very specific set of, uh, of There's defects. a reason why they're up there. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, this with, with all the, uh, you know, the, the, the child sex trafficking and the, the spirit soup, adrenochrome, the, I mean, I, I really, it makes sense. Like it just yeah, like anything that can happen will happen, you know? But in a certain period of time. So, so for me, I mean, some of it makes sense. Some of it makes less sense. Uh, and I think each case, you know, I look at it case by case. Um, I did have a similar thought to mm -hmm. what you just said, which is that the reason that you have so many bad players up in power, White House, uh, government in general, is because it's easier to advance in that world if you're a psychopath. Mm. Statistically, it's easier because you don't mind stepping over people. You're very manipulative. You're very yeah. charming. All the qualities that you need to mm -hmm. progress in power are, belong to people who are psychopaths, mm -hmm. like maybe cl clinical psychopaths, right? Yeah. And um, so it's not surprising that you're going to have a large percentage of them up there. Uh, but you framed it slightly different. You, you said that it, it's, it's not even necessarily psychopathy. It's just like the properties in general of the things like the, the 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 actual qualities that drive the decision making of those people day to day they don't change that's how they got to where they are so when they push out something they probably have this extra agenda i guess for me the only thing i'm struggling with with that concept is that well first of all it again it's not always like we gave elon musk as an example of somebody who's very powerful but really doesn't have Money is not his main interest. It's mm -hmm. just the advancement of technology and actually the betterment of the, the things that he's trying to make better, right? W but again, I'm, I also acknowledge that he is a rare individual. But I guess the, the other problem I'm having with that thought is that 
I have a hard time seeing what they can gain from that that they don't already have and it seems like a lot of trouble so like people are for example concerned you, you said something else that they can basically send messages maybe um, uh, through you know whatever it is that they may be implanting us to the vaccine yeah either being true or not I, I heard a different concern which is just the people are concerned that if they put a chip in you they can track you mm -hmm. I'm like Bro, you have a phone. Yeah. The, also, they can listen to you any time of the yeah, day. Like, yeah. it, it, everything is already here. They need to know where you are. Well, it, that too. <laughs> but it, like, everything is already here. Yeah. If they want to listen to you, yeah. they can listen to you all day. Right. It's not, you know, they're not gonna get away from that. Um, but, but you, but, it, and it seems to me like the just the, the net benefit from doing that is like it's such an elaborate thing to do. You know, what I mean, that specifically. Yeah. So, like, I okay, so. Here's here here it is. There's a guy walking through the desert. Okay. He's got nothing. Okay. He stubs his toe on a lamp. Rubs it. A genie comes out. Says, "I'll grant you any wish you want." Right? This guy's broke. No friends. No family. No food. Destitute. The genie says, "I'll grant you any wish you want, but there's a catch." Whatever I wish, whatever you wish for, I'm gonna give the next person double. So the guy thinks about it, he's like, okay. I know. I wish, Genie, that you would gouge one of my eyes out. Interesting. So. Yeah. What? As long as, as long as somebody has more than me, I don't want something good. Even like yeah. I prefer to get something bad as long as the as next, long as uh, yeah if I, I have win. the most yeah yeah so if, if but do you and I believe, I, kind of, I believe that the government in general all the shit on the news all the shows the president is just a full blown puppet show it's a WWF wrestling match I think it's, to it's some another extent form you're right. of, of I think NFL. to some extent you're right but you don't yeah. think that there are, there are honest people in the government are trying to do like the right thing or you think they just never reach the pinnacle of power that will allow them to actually achieve that I just know what happens to honest people. Yeah. They, they get fucking railroaded, lied about, and and hung on a friggin' cross. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I agree with you. We've that. been throwing virgins in volcanoes for hundreds of thousands of years. And if you look back in history, it works. Always, it works. <laughs> thank God, thank God for all those virgins. <laughs> but if you look back historically and and all civilizations, what happens to the guy at the top? He's always freaking sacrificed. The perfect one is always mutilated. Hmm, that's an interesting thought. Right. So if you're the if you're the one, one person shining, doing good, I actually have a really cool movie idea for that. Um, we'll talk about it later. Okay. But uh, yeah, you get. No, I, I see. A, I, 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 I see your point. So no. you're saying that either way. So what are you saying that good can't win? We don't Do win here. Win? We don't win here. You know, we don't win here. No. Do you think it's, it's possible? A losing fight. You think so? Yeah. You don't think there's a possibility that the the real it's coming. Definitely not, not in this lifetime. Really? Uh, I think that would be, be an interesting bet to take. <laughs> be cool. For me, it seems that I'm just like, I guess it's the optimist in me, but it feels to me like that's, we are entering the era in which it will simply not be beneficial to be like that. Because the amount of, because the real resource will be the contribution you make mm. into those pools that, that lead to progress. So you actually benefit from sharing. You benefit, because the, the, the concern so far is like, how do you, 
how do you monetize something that you just kind of put out there, right? But if you notice right now in tech, I don't know if you're familiar, but there's there's a very growing trend where NDAs, all that stuff, just doesn't make any more sense. Nobody does that. It's like somebody yeah. has an idea, they just put it on Facebook. It's like, hey, I have this idea, and then somebody either joins or because you still have to build the thing. Yeah, it's not like it's just like whatever, like mm -hmm. right. So mm -hmm. it's much more about like let's come up with the thing and then be around the thing that builds and then we'll all gain from it. So I love that. It just it, there's something about that. It kind of gives me hope that maybe maybe you're wrong. Yeah, but that would be an interesting bet to take because I'm, I'm, I'm. It's like returning your shopping cart. You know, it's like I always return my shopping. cart. I do too. See, but so I, so if you know you're doing, but, you think we're that rare? No, no, but but we do it, even though not everybody else is. Even though there's no reward, even though there's no rule. Exactly, about it, we do it anyway. Yeah, right. Um, and even though we're not going to win in this life. Even though the real win, we'll say the real win doesn't come here. Even though uh, it's probably like not necessary because the majority isn't, we still do it. And that's why we still try to do our best. That's how we still try to love, still try to give, still try to seek. That's why we seek. That's why we're, we, that's why we're so hungry to know more because even though we'll never know, we want it and it's coming. Bro. This is why it's so amazing to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I love it.